Hey guys, this is Danielle Harris, and you're listening to the Horror Squad Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad Podcast. This is episode number 313, where tonight... We are going to be talking about 2024's Destroy All Neighbors, currently streaming over on Shudder, the first movie of 2024, ladies and gentlemen. We are excited to review it. I am here, of course, as always, with Steve and Todd. Gentlemen, how was your week? Hello. Week just started, so I don't know. Last week was okay. How was your last week? <laughs> it was all right. It was all right. I had another tooth thing, so, you know. My my, it seems like my weekly message: take care of your teeth, because mm-hmm. I got one more fucking appointment next week, and then it'll be over hopefully. So, what about you? Hey, you, you missed the uh, the Mothman episode. So. Oh man! Oh, oh man! <laughs> oh gee, <laughs> not no, a, not a fan of that one. <laughs> no, yeah, well, one star out of five, I think. Uh, yeah, on so. Letterboxd. So. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's honestly more fun to talk about the real legend than it was the movie, to be honest. But it is what it is. My week is fine. I didn't. Uh, starting to pack for the move this year, and uh, that's basically Sweet it. Nothing uh... exciting. I'm looking forward to the hot tub invite. That I'm oh getting. my god, D- damn straight! Ooh. Hot tub, pool, hot tub time machine, nice. pool, pool table, <laughs> also in the nice. uh, Yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be Very awesome. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'll start us off with some exciting news. We have an interview tonight. I had the very fortunate honor. Of interviewing Danielle Harris, who, of course, you guys all know as Jamie Lloyd in the Halloween franchise. Also, Annie Brackett from Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. She's been in Urban Legend. She's been in the Hatchet series. I mean, you know, if you're a horror fan, you know who Danielle Harris is. She frequents, of course, the con circuits. She also has a podcast. We talked all about her new movie, Project Dorothy, which me and Steve are going to be reviewing during What Watched. And we talked a lot of uh, Halloween franchise. And also we talked a little bit about her podcast, which is called Talk Scary to Me. Do you either of you guys listen to that podcast by chance? No. No. That's with, uh, what's her it's face? It's pretty right? good with Scout, Scout Taylor Compton. Yeah, the two of them talking. Um, yeah, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good uh, podcast. I listen to it every once in a while, and uh, they talk a lot of horror and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. So yeah, please stick around for the end of the episode for the interview with Danielle Harris. I know a lot of you will be excited for that one. I also want to mention Living Dead Weekend, the official Horror Squad meetup, June seventh through the ninth. Tickets for the tour are now on sale. I don't believe they're sold out yet as of this recording, but please, if you do plan on coming, grab those tickets to the tour because it is going to sell out for sure. Uh, They are doing, of course, the Dawn of the Dead filming locations tour in the Monroeville Mall. We opted for, me, Steve, and Todd all will be there. We opted for the Saturday at 1 p.m. tour. So if you would like to come on uh, the tour with us, grab your tickets for Saturday the June 8th, 1 p.m. Dawn of the Dead mall tour. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun. And we pl- we're we planning a lot of other stuff too, you know, dinners with the listeners and everything like that. It's going to be a ton, a ton of fun. So please join us June 7th through the 9th, Living Dead Weekend, Monroeville, Pennsylvania. All right, so let's get into questions. We haven't done our question segment in God, who knows how long, but we decided to bring it back for this episode. So Steve, what do we got for questions? 
Yeah, so thank you everyone who sent them in. You can send us those questions on social media at the Horse Squad Podcast or uh, of course, on our Discord, which is where we did exclusively this week, but in the future, we might do all of our social medias and stuff like that. So thank you, everyone, on the Discord. Really great group. Absolutely free to join. So just ask us for a link. First series of questions from Shaylin, a little three-chord me. What's the worst neighbor or neighbors you've ever had? Nice question. Hmm. Very good question. I, I've i been pretty fortunate. I did have one sort of shitty neighbor here one time in my apartment complex when i lived at a house i was very fortunate uh, i had good neighbors but in the apartment there was a neighbor who hated our dogs and she would always complain about our dogs you know so i just kind of avoided her you know because you know dogs see a person they're gonna bark and stuff like that but there was one time we were like turning a corner i had them both on leashes and she's like you know, uh, you know we're not I live in this apartment too. I'm like, I was coming around the corner. I was like, the dogs are on leashes. There's nothing I can do or whatever. And she was just a crappy person. If you don't like dogs, I already question you. So, uh, but I know people have been attacked and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, she sucked. And the dogs weren't even that bad. <laughs> well, I'll do a dog one then too. Yeah, I had the older older gentleman next door neighbor in one of my houses. And it, I, I see his point. Like he would go outside and the dogs would bark at him, but they would, you know, I wouldn't let them bark uncontrollably, go out there and get them, wave to them, all good, right? But this guy, you know, like dogs can like sense when someone's just a prick, you know? For example, the house we live in right now, my dogs don't bark at the neighbors because they're like friendly, they'll wave, shit like that. But if you have like a negative fucking vibe, they're going to be like, I fucking hate that guy and they'll bark at him, stuff like that. He got all mad and then I'm like, then I escalated it and things like that. And then it was funny, like a couple months later, I, you know, went to apologize to him. Like, hey man, like, sorry about that. You know, I, I understand about the dogs and stuff like this, but uh, like there's ways to go about things, you know, and not come all hostile and things like that. But then he solidified that he was the asshole in this situation. Cause he's like, yeah, man, it's cool. Whatever. Hey, how do you feel about the, the kids that put up a lemonade stand? They're so loud. I'm in my house trying to read a book and I can hear them trying to sell lemonade. I'm like, oh, you're just a fucking ornery old prick. Like, never mind. Like you're, I'm, I'm gone later. So yeah, shout out to old man. You suck. Yeah, mine. I mean, so when I was growing up, my parents' neighbor was Corey Hart's brother. Corey Hart is like a teen singer from the '80s, I think. I'm not a big fan personally, but uh, and you would think, oh, okay, he's probably like some rich dude and everything. No, not at all. He was actually like one of those metal scrappers, you know. And he kind of looked like the guy who sells like Christine the car <laughs> in the Christine movie. And his house was like a hoarder's house. It just had like scrap metal all over the backyard, the front yard. It was an absolute disaster. And the guy, I mean, he was nice to my parents. It's, he was never like a problem, but he would always like want food or ask if we had any scrap. And he'd scare everyone who would like come to my house. Like if I brought friends over and everything like that. And we're kids, right? We're kind of it's like the scary man next door. Now I was used to him, but a lot of my friends weren't. He was actually harmless. You know, never did anything bad, but. Definitely scared a lot of people, I think. But it was good having him at the same time because he was always fucking with shit in his yard like all night. And because of that, no one would ever like rob our house, right? Because there was always someone kind of watching the neighborhood. So that it was good in that sense. But it was definitely a scary dude. So that's probably the worst neighbor I remember ever having. I've been pretty lucky, actually, so far, to be honest. Uh, her next question. If you could pick any celebrity to have as a neighbor, who would it be and why? Ooh, good question. You know, Robert England seems pleasant, and he's an amazing storyteller, so I think he would be an amazing neighbor to have. 
but probably, for other for signatures though yeah. can you sign this for other reasons you know maybe like margot robbie mila kunis something like that i, li I like your thought process because that's where i'm going with it i'm going kate upton preferably there's a pool and i'll smoke some some ribs we'll have a pool session and then i will wake up from my dream I wasn't going that angle at all. I was going to say Lloyd Kaufman because he seems like the type of guy who would use his neighbor knowing I have any interest in horror at all to be in all of his movies. And I think that would just be awesome. <laughs> You're like the neighbor from Home, or Home Improvement. You're just like over the fence the entire time. <laughs> right. the exactly. Cool. That's so, a good answer. Me and, yeah. me and Joe just being perv. <laughs> of course. What else is new? Yeah. And her final question What's something that a character will do in a movie or show that you complain about, but something you would do in real life, if anything? It, uh, investigate the noise. Because <laughs> I'll do that. So, yep. Yeah, that's a good one. 100%. I definitely investigate uh, a noise every time I hear something. Also, I would say something i would 100% do is run up the stairs like if something was coming at me instead of running out like the back door or something like that so that's that's one i would for sure do as well yeah, one that i would do i think is monologue i i would want people to know why i'm killing them <laughs> you know like i wouldn't put out a fucking powerpoint presentation like an urban legend but i i think i would at least give him the reason why i'm about to to kill them and that's something that i complain about in movie so Guess I'm a hypocrite you, that. you'd probably put like your schedule on like a google calendar and forget <laughs> to like hide it so like i'm like oh let me see what steve's calendar monologue the murder <laughs> right. Google link invite. what the f yeah and i'm the type of guy who would like i would work on it like all week before <laughs> i'd like prep the speech i'd write it out i'd like, read it in the mirror you know yeah that's the type of killer i would be so thank you shaylin for the questions next one is from jackie uh, totally not related, but since the start of a new year, what do you guys want to see happen in horror this year? Whether it be an idea you want to see on screen, a director's work, an actor, actress in a role, etc. No, I, I we, we're going to start production on Horror Squad the movie. So that's right. So I'm looking forward to same. Which we really need to do because when we're in Monorail, we need to shoot something since we're all going to be together. All right, I'll start filming today. <laughs> well, I need. Well, I need to you to. Well, I'm not going to spoil anything. Well, they'll see. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's production on our movie. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people I'd like to see have their films out. Like Jordan Peele would have been cool to have a movie this year, but he pushed it to next year. Uh, I don't know if James Wan is doing anything as, as far as a director uh, project goes. I know there's a Conjuring coming out this year, but uh, I don't think he's directing it anymore. And judging by the last one, probably not. So, um, and actors, I mean, they make movies so often, the ones that are active. I'm sure I'd like certain people to make movies, but nothing I'm clamoring for. I, I just want a better year than last year. That's really what I'm asking for this year. A lot of disappointments last year. I want the heavy hitters to kind of show up this year. All right. And last question that we have is from our boy, Eric. What beloved property do you want to see hit public domain and get the horror treatment? Oh, boy. Well, let's see. I, Who knows what's coming out next into public domain. But I think, I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously you go Disney properties is always like the low-hanging fruit when it comes to these things, clearly. So maybe Beauty and the Beast. 
could be really cool. Beast would make a great horror type character, so that could be pretty cool. I think Beauty and Beast is public domain because it, it? Ri- it was written like I think in eighteen hundred. So, all right, well, let's. What are we waiting for then? <laughs> Probably is, is some. Is Tigger coming out in the next yep. um, Winnie the Pooh? Yeah. Yeah, because he became public domain on January first this cool. year. Cool. All right, look forward to that. I want to see the fucking Teletubbies, man. Those are freaky without the horror context. Like, I, I think it would be awesome to see a horror version of the Teletubbies. Now, Teletubbies, way after my time, I only saw it because my cousins were young at the time that that came out. And I was just like a teen. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Got like a baby son and they, they, they play the same clip twice in a row. Every episode, it's, it's such a weird show. And I think it would make an awesome horror film. And final question for the week comes from me. What the hell happened with the uh, football fantasy uh, this year, Todd? Just I think it's over. So yes, it, it is fantasy football. We were deep into the NFL playoffs. Wild card weekend is almost done as of this recording. We've got uh, tonight's games, which I'm excited for. But our yeah, first annual Horse Squad podcast fantasy football, which you can join on Discord. Everyone's welcome. Coming in at number eight, the last place loser. Jason takes New York. <laughs> Eric, our buddy, went 4-10. and 10. His punishment is watching Skidamarink again. Hopefully he's done that. Coming in, saving the day was in at number 7, Springwood Nightmare Steve, our very own Steve. Went 5-9. and nine. He fought back. Learned a lot. Number 6, Smith Groves Boogeyman, played by TJ. He went 5-9 and nine as well. 5, Bricketsville, Bricketsville Witches. Joe, 5-9. and nine. Getting in the top seats here, we got number 4, Lagoon City Creatures, played by our buddy Asa. He went 9-5. and five. Number three, Dak Hills Have Eyes, played by Ryan. He went 11-3. Number two, myself, the Crystal Lake Slashers with a terrible record, but I still squeaked in the playoffs into the final at 7-7 just to get my ass kicked by number one, Santa Clara, sorry, Santa Carla Vamps, played by my uh, buddy Brent, who went 10-4 overall, and we just had our movie night this weekend, and I gave him the ring, and we filmed a little ceremony that is yet to be posted yet. So thanks for everyone participated. If you're into football, please come over to Discord. We'll play. And we'll get this up from eight teams to, I don't know, 10, 12. We'll see. Yeah. 16. That'd be nuts. Everyone has one good player. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready to avenge my abysmal season next year. So, yeah. Joe's coming in in hot next year. Yes, baby. Let's do it. Me too. I I came in two games down because I wasn't part of the pool for the first two games. Didn't pick my own roster. And I knew I don't know a fucking thing about NFL. Yeah, and I and I tanked your roster first two games because oh, yeah. no one was playing as you as that. I didn't know a fucking thing about the NFL, and I just missed the playoffs. So yeah. right, right at the end. So it came next down year, to me versus you, right? And if you would have won, you would have like eliminated me. I think. Yeah, I, I, the point Something differential like was too was yeah. too far, but yeah, it was. A, at least I made a comeback there at the end. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Eric, Jason takes New York. I hope you're skinning rank for the second time, my friend, because you need to. Mm-hmm. he will all righty awesome all right well thank you for your sending in your questions everybody i think we will do the segment every once in a while so join the discord if you would like to submit questions i think we will probably be going that way going forward just to try to push more of you over to our discord for those of you who aren't already over there so yeah join the discord and you can submit your questions for our answering pleasure all right gentlemen let's get into what watched for this week what y'all been watching? Totter, 
Okay, I'll lead it off here. So my first one was my annual black and white horror film on New Year's, Day, uh, New Year's Eve. And this time it was 1941's The Wolfman, which I've seen before. Um, but just running through any kind of black and white horror film. Last year we did Last Man on Earth with uh, Vincent Price. So yeah, dude comes back to his family's estate and he is attacked by a werewolf. And he becomes a werewolf and then we're trying to figure out who's the werewolf. And he's hiding and sneaking around shit like that. Man, like the more I watch this, the creepier he he is. Like he's like an almost sexual fucking predator. I understand like the times are clearly different, you know, and it's he takes no he doesn't take no for an answer ever. He looks through the window with a telescope. It's really weird. And he uses that information that he sees via telescope to like hit on her in her shop. I'm like, man, it's fucking weird. But uh, Wolfman looks really fun. He's like a really cool looking character. I love the sets of Universal monster movies. They're always so damn good. And this one is the same. You got a lot of low level uh, fog rolling in and clearly fake backdrops, but they look really cool and like fake trees and you got the gypsy angle. It's just all around solid film. Not my favorite classic monster movie or anything like that, but the Wolfman, I give it a three and a half out of five. Nice. All right. So I'll go with my first one. It is 2023's Where the Devil Roams which I watched over on Tubi. Uh, so this is the follow-up to the crew, the actor, director, writer, the whole thing from Hellbender, which was a popular movie the year it came out, like maybe two years ago. I personally wasn't a huge fan of it, but I wanted, I was curious about this one anyway. So this is the story of a family and they work as sideshow performers and they're on the road and they're kind of doing kind of this little show where there's one guy who can cut off limbs and then reattach them and it's like one of the gifts that he has and you have someone who sings and a bunch of other uh, things like that but the family also happens to be uh, serial killers and they kill people as they go on the road and do their sideshow things so that's basically the gist of the film uh, the film's well made it has uh, great performances really interesting cinematography and some solid kills to be honest i just feel like is like too pretentious for my taste, if that makes any sense. There's music video segments in, in the movie that kind of come out of nowhere. That was more like a hellbender thing that they imported into this movie, and I didn't think it fit for what they were going for here. And ultimately, I felt that this movie was more about aesthetic than substance. It just it felt a lot like Hellbender. So if you like that movie, there's a good chance that you're gonna like this one. If you didn't like I did, I think this one may be one you should pass on so that's where the devil roams i gave it two and a half stars out of five on letterboxd excellent that one yeah that that family is pretty cool so i think that's one i'll i'll definitely check out i, I appreciate the effort they put into their movies okay i only have one tonight and it's attached of course with our interview and that is from 2024 i know steve will talk about this one as well project dorothy which is now available VOD. So this one is about these two bank robbers. They're, they have a botched robbery. They're on the run. And they end up essentially running from the police and end up in this abandoned warehouse. What we come to find out is the warehouse was abandoned because a group of scientists was working on a like an AI sort of robot thing that's been basically laying dormant for like the past 30 years and the two bank robbers awaken this AI who now is running rampant trying to basically destroy these two men I won't go 
into too many other spoilers, but there's a reason she is kind of after the two bank robbers. They have something she essentially wants. The AI voiced by Danielle Harris. And yeah, that's, that's the gist of the movie. I will say, I do think all the actors here are, are pretty solid, you know, especially our two bank robber characters. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, with what they were given, they, they did a good job. And, you know, Danielle Harris is the AI, also does a, a good job. The problem is it's what they were given, uh, which is, is shit, in my opinion, unfortunately. It's just, I mean, we've heard these this AI, you know, run a, uh, gone bad sort of storyline a million times, and they just didn't bring anything new or interesting to the table. You know, the movie obviously is low budget, and it's it's basically takes place in the warehouse the entire time. The problem is there's just nothing interesting going on in this warehouse. I think one of the most interesting parts is sort of the room that Dorothy lives in, which clearly isn't the same place as the warehouse because they never actually go in to the room Dorothy is in. We see it multiple times, but they never actually end up in it. And Dorothy controls these things in the warehouse, mainly just forklifts. So it's essentially like an hour long movie of these two dudes running away from forklifts, you know, for the whole movie. And it's just so fun. It's just boring lazy uninspired really so yeah i uh i cannot recommend this one it was it was a chore to get through unfortunately i give it a i give it a one and a half out of five because for the actors alone honestly because i think they do a, a good enough job but other than that there's not anything good here no that's that's my uh my first i think half star of the year this movie it's it's not good <laughs> like it's a cool location and i feel like they just hey we got this cool warehouse location let's just write something quick while we have the location and release it and it just there's just not much going on in this film like you said it's just a the occasional forklift that's chasing them but it's not interesting in the slightest so uh, definitely a miss for me but i'm happy that i got us an interview with danielle harris because uh a good interview and i can't wait for people to listen to it at the end of the episode all righty my next and last one is my first of two punishment films uh, delivered by the new champion of trivia mr steve Karis hell three <laughs> i mean what can i say if you've seen parts one and two all three are 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 streaming on Tubi for free, then you know what you're getting into. It's a fucking carousel horse that has like superpowers and there's Nazis in number two. And then now there's like fucking a, a, a rabbit that's going after people. It's just, it's insane. Directed by Steve Rudinsky, which I can respect, man. Like I, I can 100% guarantee that this set was a fucking blast for everyone to film, having a great time, doing all this ridiculous shit. The sex scenes in this one always one up each other. Part threes, like twos was insane. Threes is just fucking off the wall nuts. I fuck, Watch it just for that, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. The first 10, 15 minutes or so of this movie, I'm like, oh shit, like this is like an upgrade, like vastly. We got instantly, we're getting good kills. We get that really uh, good sex scene. Uh, the comedy's even landing in this part, but then like the middle, after the after the beginning, the middle just like drags out, and then not until the final, again, 10 or 15 minutes of the final part of the film, does it pick up with the cool kills again I and mean, stuff like that. Like, I hate the filler in this movie, but I really do love the the about maybe 20 minutes of this film with the first and uh, last parts of it. So Carousel 3, if you're into these movies, you're going to like it. If you absolutely cannot stand this kind of film, you're there's nothing in it for you. But 
excellent punishment film, Steve, because I I mean, it's not a good movie, but it was still kind of fun. So Carousel 3, over on Tubi, I gave it a 2 out of 5, which is, I think, the same rating I gave all three of the films. I'm very generous with my punishment films. Uh, just it's the not tickles, that's getting... for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but don't lose again, because <laughs> I might not feel the same way next time. My final film this week is a movie that I watched over on Tubi, and it's 1991's Subspecies. So this is an early full moon feature. It's about three girls who go to, I don't know which country it is, I'm assuming like Transylvania type deal, like Romania. And uh, they're kind of visiting a friend that they had that's from there, who I guess was in the U.S. for a while. And they go there, they're kind of just doing touristy things, checking out the castles, checking out the locations. And meanwhile, there's a an old vampire, and he's about to give the Bloodstone, which is a powerful artifact in this world, to one of his sons. And he wants to give it to the good son, uh, like the good vampire, but the bad vampire son wants it for himself, so he kills his father, grabs the Bloodstone, and it becomes a fight between those two, which the three girls get involved because they go snooping into the castle. And uh, then it kind of becomes a battle of those two trying to kill each other while the girls are kind of caught in the middle and getting turned into vampires and things like that. I mean, this is not like a deep film. It's got a lot of vampire tropes that you've seen a million times, but it does have uh, decent effects. You know, it's got nudity. It's, it's a full moon film. This is when full moon was actually making like kind of solid horror movies, but not great horror movies. And I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I, I don't think it's one you should go out of your way to check out or anything. It has some absolutely horrible, I think it's CGI. Maybe it's stop motion just with a blur. I'm, I'm not sure. It's probably CGI. It looks bad, but it looks so bad that it's almost entertaining knowing that it's 1991. It's not like, you know, a movie tried to do it today and it sucks. So I would go with a mild recommend on this one. I gave it three out of five stars. I think it's it's a good movie and I'll, I'll watch the other four, which is kind of my goal is to watch this whole series because I got signed Subspecies 5 poster at Texas Friday My Week- Weekend from Charles Band. So I figured I should check out the rest of the series as well. So that's Subspecies over on Tubi. Yeah, that's, I think that's one of the classic full moons that I just don't really like. I think it's probably one of the weakest of their classic filmography. Same director of Terror Vision, though. Yeah. And Don't Let Her In. I know you like that one a lot, Steve. Uh, yeah, I, I just... God, it pisses me off that Full Moon <laughs> went the way they did, you know, because I watch yeah. movies like this, and it's just... Like, what happened? I, I really want to know what... I wanted to ask him so bad. <laughs> like, dude, what happened? Did you get into an accident and, like... 2005 or what like what the fuck where did this turn come from it's just it's weird like that one dude from silver bullet right yeah exactly like uh, gary Busey. yeah yeah it's too bad man because it's just frustrating because there's so much greatness and then barbie and kendra still the fucking declaration of independence it's like oh, now we're gonna get a ton more because he just married kendra <sighs> Gosh, <that's wrong. laughs> right Robinson. i have his book man i wonder if he talks about it i, I doubt it yeah, no. I was gonna say like, well, this is when I decided to stop making good films <laughs> and uh, start just profiting off fucking COVID and uh, aliens and you know whatever uh, the fucking Tiger King. <laughs> God damn, dude, what happened? Alrighty, thank you, gentlemen, for that. Uh, what watched? So now, 2024 trivia Oof. is underway, ladies and gentlemen. Whoa. Steve (laughs) trying to defend his new crown. Todd attempting to take back that crown. And Joe 
attempting to snatch the crown away from both of them for his first time championship. It is going to be a wild year, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? Ready, ready, ready. It was fucking close last year, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. As the new champ, I think I will start. uh, Start the year off, give you guys a point. Feel good about yourselves for at least one question. I'm going back to my... uh, (laughs) I have to. I might never get a chance again, right? So... First one is, of course, my favorite subcategory. It is guess the movie based off the IMDb parental guide. Sex and nudity. Okay. Favorite? Sure. I'm in. Occasional sexual remarks and insults are made. One character says to her husband, you're no good in bed. Violence and gore. Two zombies that appear have very gruesome appearances. They have wrinkly blue skin, demonic faces, and seaweed covering them. It sounds like Creep See? Show? That's right. Creep Show. <laughs> Just Thank you. Something to tide you over. <laughs> Galen Ross is in that one. Yes. So it. she'll she'll Dang definitely it. appear at uh, in Pittsburgh, right? Because she's in two of the franchises yeah. that she'll uh, be there, I know. I'm really excited to see what they get from Creepshow too, because I love Creepshow too so much. I mean, Creepshow, I feel like it'll be all the regular. Oh, the, the indigenous dude people. with the hair, definitely. Yes, definitely. He's there. I didn't even realize. No, he hasn't been announced yet. Oh, okay. But he still got the hair. He has been doing. Co- no, he's chopped it off. He's on like some pretty popular, I think, like CBS show now or something like one of those Law and Order type shows, I think, oh, or something cool. like that these days. Yeah. Okay, I'll go next. Guess the movie based on the IMDb information. This movie was released in 2003 with an R rating clocking in at one hour and 38 minutes. It is categorized as slasher horror. Cast. Jonathan Tucker. Erica Learshin. Mike Vogel. And Eric Balfour. Director. Oh, it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Correct. Nice. E- Eric Balfour is from Six Feet Under, so I know who that is. Okay. Very good. Okay. Coming out swinging. Looks like the champ. He's the champ. He's the greatest. <laughs> the best ever was. Okay. I need two answers, but it is only worth one point. What are the names of the stoner character played by Eli Roth? And his dog in Cabin Fever 2002. You need both, huh? I need both, <laughs> yeah. Mm, I remember the dog's name, but I won't say it because I don't want <laughs> right. to give it away to Steve. <laughs> so, to, to help you out of here, uh, Eli Roth's character has a nickname. Like, mm. my name's Todd, but you can call me Gator. Something like that. You know? <laughs> right, right. So he says both names. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember. Is that what you call yourself, Gator? <laughs> is that your is that your Kentucky name? Gator, yeah, from uh, the other guys, right? <laughs> I don't remember nothing. No, fuck, I just what watched was, it last year was, too. What was half your? The dog was Doctor Mambo. Correct. It was the dog, but I can't remember Eli Roth's name. His name was Justin, aka Grim. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Right. You know, Eli Roth doing yep. cons now. Seeing him in a couple months. Yeah, I'm excited. All right. Next one is also a guest in movie by the IMDb Parental Guide. 
Sex and nudity. Yep. A prostitute's breasts and full frontal nudity is shown during a sex scene. Oral sex is performed on her. Oh. oh. Okay. Violence and gore. A man's testicles are assaulted. <laughs> okay. Profanity. Min- minimal. One use of fuck. Oh. Probably when he's oh. getting his testicles assaulted. <laughs> Alcohol, drugs, and smoking. Also, it is mentioned that John was drunk when he was in a car accident. John, John. John. Frightening. Um, pause. Castle oh. Freak. That's right. Yeah. Nice. The next one would have given away. It talks about the blind girl. And everything. Good call. Yeah. Let's good go. Call. Three-way tie, baby. <laughs> that was a good question. It was. All right. You guys said the remake wasn't worth it? From like nah, no. no. I'll still not watch that. it at some point. It's on my list, but it's like yeah. I'm not motivated to watch it. Yeah. So I just it was on my radar because it knocks off one of our horror world world tour, world tour titles. Oh, but it? it's like Savaki or something. Like oh, yeah. Okay. I think it's yeah, we'll something like that. It. it is it, yeah. It was uh yeah, it was bad. I, I honestly can't remember much about it. <laughs> I just remember not liking it. All right. I know it's long as hell. Like, yeah. Too long. It's like two hours, I think. It's boring. Yeah. I remember being boring. I don't remember what I rated it. I, mean, I definitely rated it on Letterboxd, though. Uh, all right. Three Letterboxd reviews. That's the movie. All right. Number one Crazy Rich Caucasians. <laughs> okay. Number two, this is what happens when you wear your Converse's with your dress. Ready or not. Correct. Mm, nice. Yeah. Very nice. I'm right. coming for you, brother. <laughs> All right. Four clues. I haven't done this in a while, so. Ooh, okay. Nipple shock. <laughs> Jesus. Bar. The last one's a giveaway. You guys ready? Yes. Blood. Night of the Demons. Correct. Yeah. I don't know. The only one I got is nipple shock. I still don't know the other. (laughs) uh, When Thomas Hayden Church gets uh, his nipples shocked by uh, a car battery or some shit. Oh, wow. I don't barely remember that. Night of the Demons? Yeah. He plays like a punk guy. So. Okay. The original? Oh, night! You said Night of the Demons. Yeah, yeah, he did. Oh no, sorry, it's not Night of the Demons. <laughs> well, there's there another go. clue. Time of Saint okay. Church is in it. <laughs> uh, go through them again, then. Nipple shock. Okay. Jesus, bar, and blood. And Thomas Hayden Church. <laughs> Thomas Hayden Church. <laughs> Church. The Getting... fifth. And apparently, he gets his <laughs> nipple his nipples, uh, car battery. By a car battery. <laughs> um, um, but it's kind of. And we still something... don't have it. It's it has to do with some demons. demons though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. He <laughs> uh, shoot. Wow. Okay. I. I that's yeah. why I was like, okay, I don't remember him being in either demons, but I'll take it. Shoot. <laughs> you guys go up. Yeah, I guess. Sure. Yeah. It was reverse. Demon Knight. Demon Knight. Demon Knight. <laughs> that's why I like oh, poop. <laughs> All right. All right. My second one here is in Day of the Dead, nineteen eighty-five. Who eventually is the first person to let zombies into the bunker? I need his name. Oh, Christ. Uh, his fucking name. <laughs> who is also Sarah's love interest. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I, I know exactly who it is. 
Yeah, he's a little shit. He's a little fucking shit, a little dweeb. He is a dweeb. <laughs> we just watched it too. Let we just reviewed it. <laughs> I can't remember his name. You know us with names. <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't These remember. are all coming from Todd's massive horror book trivia. You guys don't know the answer? No. It is Miguel. Yeah, Miguel. Right. Yeah. He snaps and lets everybody in and Yeah. Yep. Good dick. Fucking jerk off. All right, hey, Joe. All right. Final trivia question of the night. And here, just guess the year. Okay. What year was the first Saw movie released? 2009. Incorrect? Correct. Uh, correct answer is... Oh, no. What am I thinking? <laughs> it is... I know now. Well, <laughs> where's that VHS at? There yeah, I hear Todd. Um, no, I, it's. I'm pretty sure it's one, but it could also be the other one. I'm going 2005. It's four. Incorrect. Four. I, that was my first fucking 2004. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember so after far. I said 2009, <laughs> I remembered it's 2004. Dang it. That might be a recurring one for me. I like that one. So we'll see. <laughs> Next is gonna be Saw two and three and four and five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Three on five, seven, six. <laughs> All right, Tally. What are the scores, oh, Todd? I still have some. Oh, you go. Oh, I thought we were done. Yeah, right. we're done. We did all three. I did three. I don't I remember so. asking three. Well, you can I ask one more if you'd like. I asked Eli Roth one. I asked Miguel. That's it. Okay. Okay. One more. I guess we got one more then. All right, we got one more, and you guys are gonna love it because it's a name. What is the name of the major that dies off screen, which leads to Captain Rhodes taking over in Day of the Dead, nineteen eighty-five? It's mentioned like seven times in this movie. Another day of the dead, huh? Another day of the dead, yeah. I'm on my zombies and aliens. Like, ah, right. What was it? What was the name of who took over for Captain Rhodes? No, no, no. Who who died oh. off screen that led to Captain Rhodes taking oh. over the military. And Dr. Frankenstein also works on his body in secret, which uh, pisses off Sarah right. and leads to Rhodes being pissed. Yes. His name course. is Major. Major what? Major Pain. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Come on, Steve. I don't remember. Uh, I'm talking names, man. They're just not. Right. Major. Major Tom. No. Oh. Ground control to Major Tom. Starts with a C. Final hit. Uh, Major Carlisle. Incorrect. Major Hook. <laughs> no. Incorrect. Major Cooper is oh. the correct answer. Yeah. Okay. Oh, whatever. All right. What do we got? What do we got, Todd? Oh, um, opening salvo fired by me with two. Steve and Joe both at one, which brings us to two to one to one. All right. After this, very... math, math, math will be difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. Start of 2024 trivia. Stick around, ladies and gentlemen, because it's going to get crazy. And now let's bring us to the main event of the evening 2024's destroy all neighbors directed by josh forbes starring jonah ray kieran deal randy heller and a bunch of other people i'm not familiar with so yeah who wants to synopsize for us todd take us away all right, thanks, Joe. So yeah, you got the director there, and I actually confused the director with the actor. I, I saw the actor's filmography. I'm like, oh no, I don't like some of his work. But this guy, Josh, has done only one other film. 
So we have a, uh, a struggling musician of sorts who also works as a, like a recording artist for Thomas Lennon of uh, what's that fucking cop show? That's hilarious. I'm drawing a blank on Reno 911. And he's kind of like down on his luck, man. He's like borderline loserish. He's got a girlfriend that supports him. Really cool chick. He's been working on like this record or whatever for years and years and he never gets closer to finishing it. Uh, they live in this kind of down, like down to the dumps apartment building. And everyone's like a little bit creepy. This guy who's a screenwriter, he's moving out because he sold a script. So that new apartment is, is vacant now. He's got the landlady, this nice little old lady that doesn't do a good job landlading. She makes him fix the, the power and things like that. And then this new guy moves in after work, and he's just like banging on the walls, playing a lot of loud music. And our lead character is a giant fucking sissy, and he doesn't do anything to um, solve the problem, doesn't go over to talk to him or anything like that. He bangs on the wall and then calls the cops, and then which leads to our guy coming over and spitting on his door. The cops come, blah, blah, blah. And then Vlad, uh, played by... That one is um, Alex Winters, right? Of Lost Boys mm-hmm. fame. Uh, he comes over and he's like this creepy little dude, heavy accent. And he's just like creeping and making tea for people. And he's like pretending to be this nice guy. But he tells our character, like, I'm going to fuck you up. You should have been a man, blah, blah, blah. So the story goes on. He's uh, working in his recruiting studio, studio. He gets fired. He's kind of going crazy because there's a bunch of noises. And he starts seeing visions and stuff like that. He ends up killing Vlad, who becomes like a severed head that talks to him. And then we just go along with the ride. The first impression, I was like, okay, this it's starting off pretty cool, like with the the music. And then the character started talking, and I was just like, man, like I I was not feeling this this uh, the vibe in this movie. It's a heavy heavy horror comedy. And I guess reading some background, uh, a lot of the actors and filmmakers are like in the comedy scene in L.A., so that kind of makes sense that it was like pretty comedic heavy. But I just didn't mesh with the story right away, and then it kind of kind of got progressively worse for me. Um, so off the bat, it's a miss. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I went into this totally blind as well. I had no idea what to expect. And you know what? I came out enjoying it quite a bit. I actually I actually dug this one. I think it's a lot of fun. I had a lot, a lot of fun with this one. It reminded me of sort of Deathgasm meets Idle Hands in a lot of ways. You know, it's definitely not going to be for everyone. It's... It's very goofy, very sort of crazy. A lot of stuff doesn't make sense, but I just was able to go with it and have a lot of fun with it. I thought Alex Winter was great as Vlad. I thought he was pretty funny most of the time. He was a little hard to understand here and there, but I mean, I I thought the practical effects were, were awesome throughout. Our main character, I found to be a complete loser. I mean, you're kind of rooting against him a lot of the time, but for some reason he had a a bit of charm to him as well. There's just so many funny and great scenes here. I loved sort of the whole vibe of the movie, the colors, the sort of synth soundtrack at times. And I mean, I mean, the standout is definitely all of the side characters though. Uh, you know, Eleanor puppet, you know, skeleton puppet, Eleanor and, you know, Vlad and the, uh, the other sort of dead characters that follow our main character along along the way. So yeah, I have a lot more to say, but I am really curious to hear what Steve has to say, which side he's on. <laughs> so I am right in the middle. I think here I liked a lot of it. Like it was an enjoyable watch, but there's also a lot of it that I was like, I don't know, this is not really that good. And I was sometimes bored and sometimes confused as to what was going on. So it was really an uneven movie for me. You know, some of the jokes didn't hit 
at all with me. Some of them I thought were really funny. So yeah, I think I enjoyed it more than I disliked it though. There are such like really colorful characters. I like the uh, performances of those characters. Not so much of the main guy, which I uh, describe as budget Jay Baruchel. He, uh, he didn't really do it for me. And that kind of hurts the movie because if I don't like the main character, then it kind of, you know, brings a lot of the movie down. But there was a couple scenes that really made me laugh. And out of nowhere, for such a goofy-ass movie, there's one scene that I thought, wow, this could be one of the scarier scenes I see this year. I don't know why. Maybe it's just like it gave me some kind of childhood fear that it brought up. I'm not too sure. I'll talk about it soon. But uh, overall, I think the movie is enjoyable, but also kind of forgettable. Well, I, want, I want to hear what scene you really loved. So, so the one that I found a little bit freaky is when Vlad is like integrated into the fan and he's like slowly going down under the bed. It's like a nightmare that, that the main character is having. There's just something about that scene that kind of was really like kind of freaky. Uh, now, I'm not saying I was scared of it. I mean, obviously, horror doesn't scare me anymore, but it gave me like a wow, this is way scarier than the rest of the movie and the, with the tone and everything. And I kind of wish they went more into that nightmare kind of angle rather than the goofier angle that they ended up going with. So I thought that was a great scene. Yeah. I, I you know, I went in hundred percent blind and I only knew the title and I thought just based on that, that we were getting kind of like a mayhem kind of film where like, I'm like, Oh, they're going to fight like an apartment building and have to kill each other. And then I don't really understand the, the meaning of the title. Cause in my opinion, it doesn't match what we saw on the film. I know his neighbors all die. Right, but, he, like, he killed all his neighbors. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. It, it the tone of that. I don't know, man. Like this, just none of none of the comedy worked for me. And in, in, in a film that was trying trying to be funny, like for it not to land, it was just like the whole time for me personally. It was just like, ugh, like uh, here we go again. Like scenes would go on way too long. Like Vlad making tea and the cops coming over. That scene's like a minute long than it has to be. Vlad turning the music up to a high when our pussy character comes over to the house to complain. And he's like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I'm like, Oh my God, like get over it. The dismemberment scene. It's just like, I felt like everything was just like them trying to make the scene go as long as possible, hoping to get a laugh out of you. And for me, it just never worked except for one thing that I really liked was the inspirational guitar rock star videos of the guys watching. He's like, it's all rock and roll is about your image. First thing, a scarf. And his quote's like, that's one hot lick. I wrote that one down. So that was funny. But other than that, I was just like, oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, the comedy was like 50-50. Sometimes it landed. Sometimes it didn't. I don't know. I just, I just, the whole, I don't know. Just the whole vibe for me, like, was just on. Like, I, I was really enjoying it. Like, it, it knew it was goofy. And it wasn't trying to take itself too seriously which you know i i i dug there's a great one scene i did uh i thought was pretty good comedy wise was the one with um the dude from harold and kumar when he's trying to go into is, the is he harold kumar is he? yeah yeah oh his name is yeah i was gonna ask how'd they get him in this movie because he's yeah he's actually <laughs> he's, doing a, he's a marvel now yeah, yeah exactly is he <laughs> using yeah. eternals yeah no shit. And he, did, huh? he did the fucking Silicon Valley, which I really love. So. Oh, you know, maybe he's not in Harold and Kumar. Maybe he is in Silicon. Wait, is he in Harold and Kumar? I thought he was in parts of Harold and Kumar. Maybe I'm wrong. Wow. All right. Well, anyway, wow, the dude Joe. from. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, all right. The dude from Silicon Valley. 
Silicon Valley. Yeah. So the, the dude from, I, I did enjoy that comedy scene with the dude from Silicon Valley because I, I found that uh, to be pretty, I, I enjoyed that scene. I think like, I mean, the, I agree with Todd too. The YouTube sort of tutorial videos were were really fun too. But yeah, I mean, like I said, the whole the whole vibe of it for me was just was just really fun. And I uh, yeah, I think you do have to be in a certain mood though, right? Like I think if you if you watch this movie in uh, the wrong type of mood, I think you'll you'll instantly hate it. So yeah, yeah. yeah so all. just talking about those scenes, I, I completely agree. The whole security guard scene was my favorite scene in the movie because it was actually really funny, you know, like the, his banter that he has back and forth trying to get through the gate, which he doesn't even end up getting through. I thought was really hilarious. And I love the bump, you know, Hey, croissant guy, give me a croissant. <laughs> like I just, I, I really like that. And I was kind of bummed, uh, no pun intended when he got killed, you know, it's just, and I thought that effect looked like shit <laughs> when he got killed, but then it looked better, I guess when he's a zombie, uh, the zombies kind of gave me, Beetlejuice vibes, you know, like in the afterlife where they sport the kind of the way that they died in the afterlife. And it was kind of that cartoony death that they would have. So that is probably the closest movie that I can relate this to as far as tone. I mean, it's nowhere near as good as Beetlejuice, obviously, but the the goofiness and the way characters, the dead characters are portrayed and stuff like that. It definitely gave me Beetlejuice vibes. So I think that's a, a plus. Yeah, I, I honestly, I really did like when he discovers um, the old lady burned to a crisp because she's messing with like the power that he did for her, but he complained about it, so she took it upon herself. I think that was a really effective scene, and then with her coming back, like that was a really cool effect. Like I love that, like the eyes and the burnt body and shit like that, and the fact that she was really into his music, but he chose to never allow her to speak. Like, oh, you're not my target audience. I don't need pointers from you, and she was actually really into it. That was kind of cool, and I like that aspect of it. Yeah, she gave me uh, Return of the Living Dead vibes in a lot of ways, like that zombie on the table in that, which I, I thought, I feel like it was kind of intentional. I feel like it was kind of an homage maybe to Return of the Living Dead in a lot of ways. I loved it. I loved her. her. She was probably my favorite of all of the sort of dead characters. Yeah, although Alex Winter, I would not have recognized him. No. Had I didn't, if I didn't know. Uh, I love that they gave him a cameo as well, like as himself, just to make sure that I guess you I had to look it up because I'm like, he's in here, but I don't see him. And then I'm like, oh shit. Like really, really good makeup for him. Well, he's also the the lawyer. Is that yeah, he but he's yeah. All, he's the guy, right? Yeah, Vlad he's Vlad, yeah, he's Vlad for yeah. the movie. And he does a great job of it. You know, I didn't know he could do like characters like that. Kind of always plays a similar type of character. So that, that was really cool. Something I we gotta talk about though, which is weird for a goofy movie, because I was a little confused and I'm hoping you guys can clarify things. So what's real? What's in his head here? Because the cops come over at one point because there's a dead body on the floor, but there's no dead body on the floor. He's obviously seeing some things, but he also killed them because he does get charged for it. I was kind of confused where this movie was going with that because we don't really get a clear answer. What was real? What wasn't? Is there anything real? Is there, you know, it's, it's a weird movie. And to me that, I don't know. I don't know where they went with it. And I still don't know after having seen the whole thing. Yeah. So I think... Obviously, like all of the did like him seeing the dead people and stuff was all fake. But I think, you know, obviously all the murders he committed was real because obviously they found some sort of evidence against him or he admitted to it. I'm not really sure. But I mean, they did the body disappear and they did sort of gloss over it that 
the pig like ate that dude's body and that's why they couldn't find it anymore which i thought was pretty good um, so clearly he cleaned up all the blood he, and right bleach he, on the he, floor yeah <laughs> yeah and he cut up vlad and that other dude and threw them in the woods which i'm assuming the cops eventually maybe found those that evidence and that's why they ended up at the music studio which is another one of my favorite scenes the music studio scene where he's performing with all the the dead bodies and the fucking intestines just playing the drums and shit like that i thought was just great i think there is a great movie from my perspective in here if they would have been more clear with like what was happening because it would have been really cool if it was all in his head and you know like the intestines playing the drums and shit like that because none of that's real right he kills everybody and he just has a mental break and he's essentially uh just a serial killer right because vlad isn't supernatural or anything like that right or did i read that wrong no, he's he's just a regular guy that uh, he just kills. He, I was kind of hoping that the angle they would go with it is this: this was his creative process. The whole movie was about his creative process, and that's what he goes through in his brain to put out like the, his masterpiece. You know, he has to go in a really fucked up way, and you hear it all the time from music artists, from screenwriters, from all sorts of creative minds that they 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 go into weird places to get like the best results you know a lot of the music is drug induced right especially in the 60s 70s 80s and some of the best works have been under you know, massive amounts of heroin cocaine and things like that so i thought this whole movie was essentially just his process but it, it, it no he actually killed people and it's and people kind of take it so nonchalantly like his girlfriend doesn't seem to be all that bothered by it. The cops don't seem all that bothered by it. It's just like, sure, whatever. You know, the fact that the serial killer is in the studio, no one really seems to care. I don't know. The, the, it was just maybe too far off as ton tonally for me. Yeah. I, I do have a Todd gripe, though, with this. When he's trying to buy time in the studio and the cops show up and he puts a box outside the door, there's no fucking way in any cop fucking world that they're gonna run up there grab the box and then take it back to where they're all hanging out to open it like come on man fucking blow them blow up and kill them all 100 percent agreed i thought the same exact thing i was like hell no they'd get a bomb squad out there like immediately yeah. and stuff but yeah in a movie like this it's it, none of it, it really matter. does yeah. make sense yeah it doesn't matter i agree though yeah I don't, I don't really understand like why the girlfriend character like ended up defending him like at the end of the movie and shit i'm like uh that one's a little far-fetched hey that's love you know, love you is know, love. It. That's love. Love is love. Even man. though she left him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of uh, Demon Vlad there at the end? You think that was a that was cool, cool. finale? You know, for yeah, the... yeah, pretty neat looking. Yeah, I dug it. I thought you know, like that's when I started going like Deathgasm. Obviously, the whole sort of prog rock thing and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I thought it was sweet, cool make. I mean, the practical effects here are just fucking top notch, man. Like I, I really, really dug all the makeup and practical effects work here. I thought it was all great. Well, anything, anything else any, gentlemen any, yeah any other details here that we missed um i, I do like so. when the screenwriter is talking about like how he sold a script and the guy's like well how'd you do it man he's like well you know i have a trust fund so i didn't have to work <laughs> yeah my dad's friend wrote a couple jurassic parks so that helps <laughs> like oh. and it turns out that he stole the idea from other, another screenwriter and he's just a fraud <laughs> Yeah, I like that. What I didn't like as much is the two music producers. Um, ah, it's yeah, kind of unneeded for me. Weird. Like they didn't need to be there. Agreed. That was what, like a weird. One of the demons could have angle. produced it. You know, actually, one of them kind of does, right? Isn't it the burnt woman, Eleanor? Yeah, Eleanor. So, so you don't, you didn't need the production 
people there at all. Like that whole storyline could have been. It was cut. another joke to have the guys having a relationship. Yeah, but what, it wasn't speedos. funny. Like, I, well, I, yeah. no, yeah, I oh, agreed. So, agreed. Yeah, that, that was yeah. definitely the weakest like comedy aspect thing of the whole thing, and I did not like that other that character there, whatever his name was, the, the, rock, the musician rock guy. guy. Yeah, I like which sucks. I liked the other guy, Thomas Lennon, a lot, but he was just mm-hmm. not. Wasn't his performances just maybe what he had to work with? I don't know because usually he's good, but kind of missed opportunity with that too. Yeah, agreed. Yep. All right, I think we're good. So we'll go highest, highest, Joe. Yeah, I'm probably gonna, gonna be the highest here. Yeah. yeah, I mean overall, I had a lot of fun, man. At the end of the day, and that's that's why I'm I'm higher on this, I guess. I. Yeah, I mean, I'm at a three and a half out of five. I I had a blast. I think it's kind of a throwback to, you know, a lot of great practical effects horror. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not going to be for everybody. It's definitely a goofy movie. But I like I said, Deathgasm meets Idle Hands sort of thing. I dug it. Three and a half out of five. Yeah, and I'm uh, just below that. I, I did enjoy watching it. I just think that there are a lot of big plot holes uh, and misses in the humor and stuff like that that brings it down a bit so i give it a three out of five all right and i'll start off uh, the scrooge of the year with a solid resounding one out of five early Ooh. contender for the <laughs> the worst three Ouch. For, the, for the end of the year i just like you guys i did not like the main character at all and adding that that i didn't find any of the comedy to hit it was just a brutal watch for me so not for me but i can also see why people dig it you know teaches mm-hmm. them yeah and it's kind of a letterbox more on Steve's line, currently sitting at a 2.9 over on Letterboxd. So you can check that out once again on Shudder, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, what are we doing, Steve? We are going to space Ooh. as we review Todd's pick. Event Horizon. Hell yeah. yeah. Very cool. All right, so go check out Event Horizon for next week. Here in the States, currently streaming on Paramount Plus or MGM Plus, we have that. Otherwise, you can just pick it up for a cheap rental on VOD. In the meantime, you can keep up with the podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads. Just search the Horror Squad Podcast. You can also email us anytime, the Horror Squad Podcast at gmail.com. Or, as you already know, the best way to keep up with the podcast is the Discord. Amazing community over there. Join us over there. It's linked over on our Instagram to join, or you can just send us an email or a DM and we will get you a link to join the Discord. You can also support the podcast by leaving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app or picking up some merch, tpublic.com. Search the Horror Squad podcast. That's also linked over on our Instagram. A lot of great designs over there. Important dates, don't forget. Once again, Living Dead Weekend, June 7th through the 9th. And our Hocus Pocus meetup, Uh, I'm sorry, Hocus Pocus event, October 11th through the 13th of this year. Don't forget, stick around for our interview with Danielle Harris. And we'll see you next week for Event Horizon. See ya. Bye. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where today we are joined by a very special guest. She is an absolute icon of the horror genre, starring in many popular horror franchises, including Urban Legend and the Hatch series, but she is best known for her work in the Halloween franchise as both Jamie Lloyd and also Annie Brackett. Please welcome actress Danielle Harris. Danielle, Hello. thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I, I totally forgot that Urban Legend was a franchise too. It was, yeah. 
than a Never think of it like that. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, All right. So now, uh, so you're joining us today to promote your newest film, which is Project Dorothy, which will be coming to VOD, including Prime Video on January 16th. Can you tell tell our listeners a little bit what the film is about? Ooh, it's about the the not so near future, (laughs) the not so distant future, I should say, Uh, and how incredibly scary it could be when AI controls the world and uh, and humans. So um, this was a, 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 a voice for me that I got to to play. And uh, it's basically about two guys that are running from a, ba- a burglary that they just committed and they end up in this facility that has a life of its own. And her name is Dorothy. And that would be me. <laughs> Very nice. Now, uh, you know, AI is obviously a, a huge subject right now, uh, of course, in, in the acting community as well, mm-hmm. and, but, in, in, but in society in general. So um, I'm sure you've talked about this before, but, uh, you know, how do you personally feel about, you know, AI? I think it's fucking frightening. Mm-hmm. And I think that we are, I did not think that I would see it in my lifetime. You know, you think back like Jetsons and we were growing up watching the Jetsons on TV and you're like, oh, I'll never, you know, and I, and while I'm still waiting for flying cars, I feel like everything else is already here. So that that might be one of the only things that we don't have yet, but I'm sure if we could figure out a way we would. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the planet will have exploded, um, imploded, I should say. Uh, by the time we would be having flying cars because we're moving very fast. I was just talking to someone earlier about like back to the future and mm-hmm. how when when he was in 1985 and he went back to the 50s, that's exactly, that's like 2000. That's the 90s. That's the 90s for us. Like right. him, he went back to the 50s and we were like, damn, that's he, like, imagine living in that time at that age. And then now think about where we are now and we could just be back in the 90s and we'd be like, whoa, I'm sure if we had like our kids that were teenagers now and they went back to the 90s they'd be like wait what there's no wait what's that sound oh that's dial up internet you know like what do you mean dial up it had to dial a number what's a number on a phone what's a phone <laughs> in the wall it was in the wall you know so i uh yeah i think that that uh the future is here and that this is what it could possibly look like yeah no absolutely we don't have the flying cars yet but you know self driving is is yeah. come along so it's you know. so scary. It's so scary. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I want to know, I mean, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, your take uh, on Dorothy and and uh, her sort of, your you know, the voice work you did. So I want to know, how did you uh, develop your, uh, the voice for Dorothy? Did you take any sort of inspiration from other films or other AI maybe you had heard? No, it was more of she was written in a seductive sort of playful way. Uh, but I didn't really know how much of that. So I, I could tell the tone, uh, it was a little bit difficult because, you know, if you're usually when you're doing voiceover work, you get to see a character, you get to see a drawing of what she looks like, or he, or the monster, whatever it is. So you can sort of change your voice based on what the image is, but because I didn't have an image, it could really be anything, uh, which is almost a little bit creepier. Uh, it also, you know, I, I watched the movie in real time. So when we were in the booth and we were doing the recording, I was, we started at the beginning and worked our way through. So I was able to get to the peak of the character, you know, the height of the performance. And then, you know, the finale based on where I had come from, where a lot of times when you're shooting a movie, 
you know, you're, I mean, not a lot all the time when you're shooting a movie, you are out of sequence and you're all over the place. And sometimes you shoot the beginning first and then, you know, you go and do the, you know, or, or you shoot the ending first and then you go to the beginning and then you're like, oh, wait, but how is that? Oh God, now I got to figure out how to get from, you know, it's like if you lose your shirt in a scene, you're like, how do I get from here to here? Because I already did that. And I didn't have it on in that scene. So I didn't have to do that with Project Dorothy because I, I was watching it in real time. So that was helpful. The The difficult part was figuring out timing, you know, for dialogue, because there's, I'm, I'm literally just fitting in between two characters that are on screen that are having a conversation with one another and responding off of what I'm saying. So in order to either take a longer period of time or to make it shorter, talk faster was a little bit, a little bit challenging and figuring out how a computer would talk. I was, we, we, uh, one of the things that George had said that was, I thought really interesting is he says that computers don't take breaths. Mm. So when we talk as humans, in between words, we take a little bit of, we gasp for a little bit of breath. So without even realizing we're doing it. So if you try to say, you know, if you have a, a long sentence, a run on sentence, but you know, you can't take a breath, how do you do that? Because, so it's that kind of stuff that George was really great with helping those nuances that I just wouldn't have thought of. Now, uh, had you done a lot of voice acting in your career before this? I did um, a show on Nickelodeon called The Wild Thornberries. Oh, yes. uh, that was on for like, I think we did seven seasons. And then I did um, uh, another show called Father of the Pride. That was a Carl Reiner show that was about Siegfried and Roy. It was DreamWorks. It was on in the, in the 90s. And uh, it was uh, Carl Reiner, Cheryl Hines, um, uh, John Goodman, Daryl Sabera, myself, and then we had like Eddie Murphy and we had Danny DeVito and, and it was about Siegfried and Roy and we were the white lions. So, and then we had the Siegfried and Roy characters and we did it over a year and a half and then they animated it after we did all the episodes. We did 13 episodes and I think it was the first like primetime DreamWorks show uh, at like eight o'clock on a Tuesday night or something on NBC. And right before we premiered our episode, our first episode, um, Roy was mauled in real life this is, I don't know, this oh, is blatant, yeah. right? He was mm -hmm. mauled on in almost, it was like almost died. Mm -hmm. So I just remember Jeffrey Katzenberg being like, I, the odds that we would have spent a year and a half doing a, a TV show about making wow. fun of Siegfried and Roy. And now it's not funny anymore because the guy is almost dead. Right. So we had to go back and redo a whole bunch of stuff and we got nominated for a people's choice award and the show got canceled. So I hadn't done any animation stuff since then. Um, only an episode of creep show. So it was, I love doing voiceover stuff. So it was great other than my podcast, of course. Yes. Which I do want to touch on in a little bit. Uh, first, I, I, if you don't mind, I do want to jump over to the Halloween franchise, of course, since it is, of course, you know, it's, it, I know it it's is me. very near and dear to your heart. Um, you know, it's been, been a very big part of your career, you know, looking back on both, Jamie Lloyd and Annie Brackett, do you, do you like cherish or prefer, like, you know, hold one closer to your heart than the other? Or are they both? Kind I of mean, like I don't feel children? like I'm, I don't, I don't feel like I'm Annie. I mean, okay. I'm was Annie, but you know, the, the, the original Annie will be Annie. Right. Um, I, I just had a, a, a different take on her, you know, but I would never replace her. So for me, it's always and forever going to be Jamie Lloyd, of course. I mean, it's like, that's sort of my, that's my title. It's like, I'm the girl from Halloween. Like, you know, it's, and I, and I, and I wear it with a badge of honor. So I love being in this little horror, this big, big little horror community that we've grown together over the last 40 years. 
Absolutely. And I mean, the Halloween fan base is just, is just rabid, you know, as you know, obviously going to the convention circuit and, you know, with your podcast and everything. Um, yeah, obviously the new, the new chapter in the Halloween franchise has ended. I think a, a lot of us were, were disappointed. I believe you mentioned on your podcast, you were a bit disappointed yeah. as well with kind of how it went. Um, so you know, do you see, you know, p- the potential is there, I think, for Jamie Lloyd to return to this franchise, you know, do you see yourself returning in, in some potential capacity down the road? I know they're planning a TV show and I'm, I know more movies are coming down the road. Has there been any talks or, I mean, where do you see that character going? Cause I mean, we can talk about this too, but I mean, I feel like it was a, a great disservice to that character, what they did to her in, in Halloween six. I mean, I would, I would obviously love to see where she is now. I would love the opportunity to, to, go back to where it all started. And, you know, ironically enough, there's, there's been a few movies that I've done that I have come back to. I mean, even just coming back, like you said, as Annie to the franchises, uh, who gets to, who, who, I don't know any other actors who have done that, who have been such a big role in one movie that started them and then have come back as another big role in the same franchise as another character. So, um, so I didn't think that would happen. Uh, you know, I went back on Roseanne two years ago. I, I hadn't done a sitcom and and I'd never thought I'd see Molly Tilden show her face again ever in a million years. But I had hoped when I heard that the Connors was coming back, I, of course, I had hoped um, the same way that I had hoped my character would return on Boy Meets World when they did Girl Meets World. I had hoped that TK would make her way back in somehow with her brother. That didn't happen. So I'm still holding out and hoping that there'll be some sort of um, exploration and then possibly closure with Jamie. Listen, if I got a script in it in the opening scene, I, Jamie Lloyd died, I don't, I would be devastated. Mm -hmm. So I of course would love to, and want to explore that, what that whole world looks like. Ideally it would be three movies of, of going back to that timeline, or it would be a TV series where, you know, we would, it would be her, her show the same way that, you know, we've got Chucky, like, I think that kind of opened up the door for it. So to get to play that character for years at a time versus three weeks on a movie is like, it's the dream, right? Yeah. So especially her, I mean, I, I, I am, we are like one in the same at this yeah. point. So I would, I would love to, I just don't want to jinx anything and I haven't heard anything. And, you know, I almost feel stupid for putting it out there. And being like, yes, I want to do it or like making comments about it. I know there's like people make like funny posters and online and I'll retweet that or I'll repost some of that stuff sometimes. And then everyone's like, oh my God, is it true? Are they really doing it? And I'm like, no, they're not. I'm just putting it out in the universe. (laughs) No, I mean, I think if it's going to happen now is the perfect time to do it. I mean, I think, you know, they're resetting the franchise. And I mean, I know you just said you feel stupid for putting it out there, but not at all. I mean, I know the fans want it. The fans love the, the Jamie character. And I think it's time for, to see where she's at now, uh, you know, and, you know, and, and I mean, course, I think they, every, I think all the higher ups know, and they know who they are. They know that I would love an opportunity yeah. to be back in. And I'm the only one left, you know, um, of, of the real fan base sure. um, of the OGs that are going to be the ones that are going to go and and turn on the TV and going to go to the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, not the, the younger kids that are, 
you know, going to watch it on some streaming platform or some, you know, something on YouTube or whatever. Wow. I'm really sounding like an old person today. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, uh, I, yeah, I, they know the forces, the forces that, that maybe are, you know, they know very well that I would love to be part of something. So I'll just put it out there and see, keep my fingers crossed and see what happens. Absolutely. Let's put it into the universe. Good vibes. Let's, let's get Jamie back on. Jamie Lloyd back on the big screen. Uh, so one last thing I did want to touch on is your podcast, of course, with Scout Taylor Compton. Talk Scary to Me is the name yes. of it. Uh, you guys have been killing it on the podcast Thank you. over there. Um, so can you tell us about anything exciting you two have planned for the upcoming year? God, you know, we're really just creating stuff together. I mean, she's a hustler like me and like we speak the same language and I feel like I'm her just 10 years older, essentially. She's like following in my footsteps in so many ways. So it's been great to guide her along the way. I told her the other day, it's the same as like when I did Halloween with her in 2007, I was like passing the torch. Like I'm here if you have questions, whatever you need. Uh, Like I've been in this world for so long and now it's yours. So, but I'm here to like support you and lift you up and guide you. And I feel like that's kind of the way our relationship has been on our podcast. And in, in real life, we've, we've, you know, now she's getting married and, you know, there's all these things that I did 10 years ago that she's now doing. So, so it's nice to, to be creating stuff together. Um, we have three movies that we've come up ideas to do together where we're, we would be, you know, starring with one another and they'd be three totally different characters, but still starring opposite one another. So you could really see like what we could do together and we could see what we could do together. I think she just wants to fight. I know she just wants to fight me. She just wants to have a physical fight scenes with me and she wants to make out. That's really all that it is. Um, so that's why she keeps writing this stuff. Uh, so we're going to do that together. Um, going to take talk scary to me on tour. We want to do a little like cross country tour thing. Cause those are so fun. Um, I'm not doing a lot of conventions this year. It's just my, I've been two years in a row since I've moved. My kids are like over me leaving. So I'm going to just do five when it gets, you know, throughout the year instead of, you know, my normally it's like five a month. So at the shows, we're going to do lives, which will be great to incorporate all that stuff since the fans will already be there. And yeah, I'm working on writing a book and and a bunch of movies coming out over this year that I've been anticipating that we did, you know, two years ago. So that's really all that's coming up for me this year. Awesome. Well, uh, we definitely look forward to all of that, uh, Danielle. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Everyone, make sure to go check out Project Dorothy. It's going to be hitting VOD on January 16th. Um, any, you know, anything else you'd like to promote, Danielle, as far as upcoming movies or, you know, where can people follow you? To, yeah, to follow me. Um, I, I have a Patreon, which is awesome. <laughs> I have an awesome little community there. And that's, uh, I think it's just under Danielle Harris or maybe Horror Gal. Instagram's Horror Gal. Um, I'm not really on X that much, or I think that's what it's called. Is it called X, Twitter? You know, whatever that was. That was Halloween <laughs> Gal. Um, and uh, yeah, follow the podcast, Talk Scary to Me, uh, Bloody FM and where all podcasts could be found. And I think that's it. Perfect. Once again, Danielle, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you.
is this? It's a progressive form of prog. I've been calling it uh, uh, prog squared. The only way I listen to your music is if you tied me up at gunpoint and you forced me to. And don't play it here again or you're fired. <laughs>